This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Hey, man, well, today, today, we're going to look at a message that I've preached a few times, but I need to preach it again because you need to hear this to help you. Are you running your race or is your race running you? Are you running your race? Or is the race running you? And we're in the book of Acts already. Let's go over to chapter 20. Go over to chapter 20. And I want to pray with a word now as we receive it. <clears throat> Father, we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Now we know that your word is your plan for our lives. We know that as believers, the word of God is a general plan for every human being. And for Christians... And we know by the Holy Spirit we find out your individual plan personally for our lives. But Lord, we know that number one, we have to live by the general plan before we can accurately follow our individual personal plan you have for us. So I thank you in the name of Jesus that today there's going to be spiritual eyes opened, spiritual ears are going to open, and people are going to make course adjustments to be able to fulfill your plan and purpose for their life. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Everybody said... Amen. Amen. And uh, the, Lord, the Lord gave me a statement a few months ago I made. I want to say this because it fits right at this sermon. Now listen to this. And this is, I think it's really going to help you. Life won't end in success or failure by chance, but by choice. Your life's not going to end in success or failure just by chance, but by your choices. And so when you sit under the Word of God, like you're going to hear today, you need to make choices right up front that I'm going to do what God says in the Bible to do. And if God tells me don't do it, I don't want to do it. If He tells me to do it, He'll give me the faith to do it, the Word of God. But anyway, as we read this, just think about that, that as we see things, you got choices to make on the inside of you and your heart, first of all. In your heart, you've got to just make an adjustment that, hey, I want to change. And then on the outside, when the test of life comes, you've got to actually do what the Bible says to do. <clears throat> but I want to look at verse 24, and then we're going to be all over this chapter here. But verse 24, Paul said, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And so too many Christians allow outward circumstances or difficult people to determine the direction of life instead of using faith. Instead of using faith to follow God's plan for their life. You know, I can't, I can't, I can't tell you how many people that I've come across against in my many years of ministry that God has given them a dream in their heart. And yeah, they've had a dream. They want to do something. Maybe it may be a certain type of career they want to pursue. That takes education. That takes sacrifice to be able to do without some things for a while. To pay for some things. To be able to do what they need to do to get to where they're going. And then they just get tired of all the obstacles and give up. And start going a different direction in life. God never changes. Now, if you walk away from your dream, 
I believe after a point in time, God lets you go ahead and get a restart on doing something, but it'll never be the best because God has anointing on the dream He gave you. God has ultimate goals of people all around you in the realm of influence being touched and changed by what God's called you to do. And we're going to look at this chapter here, break down some things, but Paul said, I'm not moved by things. I'm not moved by people. My faith moves things out of the way. My faith brings me favor with people. My faith changes things and causes things to happen. That's what Paul said. And so, you know, the title of this is, Are You Running Your Race? Is Your Race Running You? You're supposed to stay on course with what God has for you. And if you hit a detour or a bump in the road, just as soon as you can, you need to get back on the same path. You know, I know that sometimes sometimes we uh, we have setbacks, but after the setback, you need to have a comeback. You need to get back to where you were. You need to come back to Jesus. Come back to your faith and get back on the road you started on. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, I can't help but use the people for examples because I'm a Holy Ghost preacher. I'm looking at Philip. I'm looking at Rhonda. I've watched those two people's lives from years and years and years ago. They live down south now. I go to the church that lives south of us. But I watched these guys come from a really a bad drug world, a really bad world out there, and they decided... They got bored again, and they decided they was going to do something different. So they actually became rehab people, running a place that had people come in, still in that same arena in different areas. God's brought them up higher. Phillips, Rhonda, both there went and got super education. He's an assistant warden down at the prison now. <laughs> and, but he used to look from the other side of the bars. He used to be on the other side. And so what I'm saying, God had a plan for their life, brought them together, they got married, went through a lot of different obstacles in life, and they're on the plan. They're following the route that God had for them. Started right here in Barstow at a place called The Ranch. Maybe some of you guys here went to The Ranch where they were there. Yeah, back there, Jesse raised his head. They were back there. But what they did for what the devil meant for harm, God turned it around for good. They got born again, and God put in their heart, you can help these guys get out of where you've been, and did that. And so what I'm saying for you... With God, nothing's impossible. When God puts things in your heart <clears throat> that he called you to do, then you can't do it just you. You've got to have God. Amen. Say amen or oh me. Amen. So it all, it all takes choices. And so you notice he said, finish my course with joy. Finish my course with joy. With joy. Whatever you're doing in life, Whatever you're doing, whether it's a job, whether it's a ministry, you're supposed to have joy. You ought to enjoy what you're doing. And, you know, I like what Pastor Dave, seems like the Lord's used him several times lately to teach on this very thing, difference between joy and happiness. Galatians 5.22 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, then joy, then peace. And joy, just like faith or love, is a spiritual force. It's not a natural thing. Joy in your spirit is a spiritual force. Nehemiah 10 says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Happiness is an emotion. Happiness is based upon how much money you got in the bank. Happiness is based upon everybody loves me. Nobody's been mean to me today. So I'm happy today. Happiness is I got a job, so I'm happy. What happens if the devil 
does something to hit your job. And you don't know where your next paycheck's going to come from. What happens if the people that loved you yesterday hate you today? Because hate and that natural human love are physical things, natural things. But joy is a spiritual thing. And so what you do, the joy of the Lord is your strength. When you're having these obstacles in life, you've got to learn to laugh. You've got to learn to get up. And I remember when I first got saved, there was a popular little cartoon sign that had ever, didn't have all the technology today, but I was a truck driver. And it seemed like a lot of places I went where Christians worked at, they had a little cartoon pinned up on the wall behind the desk or whatever they had there. And this guy sitting in a chair falling back laughing. He said, the devil said, what? <laughs> well, we've got to know that whatever Satan says, just the opposite is true. Because of John eight forty four, Jesus said, Satan's a liar, the father of lies. And so we have to know if the devil is lying to you, putting fear on you and tell you it's not working. Opposite is it's working. Because we're walking by faith and not by sight. God's making it happen. And so if the joy of the Lord's our strength, that means we've got to be people who learn how to laugh. And if you don't know how to laugh, then you've got to start faking it till you make it. Pastor A says you fake it till you make it. What's that mean? That means you laugh by faith. That means there's some days you've got to get up, and here comes Mr. Depression. Here comes Mr. Fear. Brought all their cousins with them. All the losing thing. Nobody likes me. I'm losing. It's not working. Where's the money? Where's the customers? Where's the people? Where's it at? Where's it at? Where's it at? You just got to start laughing. God gives say, ha, 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 I walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. I don't go by how I feel. I go by what God told me. I live for Jesus. With Jesus, all things are possible. Nothing's impossible with God. Ha, 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 ha. And I'll tell you what, demons like a pity party. They don't like to hang around somebody that's got victory. They don't like to hang around somebody that's laughing at them. And so when you laugh, and just start thanking Jesus, all of a sudden, doom and gloom went out the door with depression and fear and everything else. And with doom and gloom left, nobody left except you and God. So you guys might as well have a party. Amen. And so that's what Paul's talking about right here. He said that what have finished my course with joy. Now, what he's talking about, your course. Now, get this. Some place in the Bible, he calls it your race. Some place calls it your course. What that's talking about is your Christian life as a believer on this earth. God has a specific plan and purpose for your life. That's your life as a Christian. God has things that, you know, if there's one message I really wish I'd get across to Christians, no matter who you are, or no matter how worthless you think you are, God made you you. There's people, there's people that will never, ever, ever come inside of a church that you can talk to. There's people that will never go to heaven if you didn't exist. Because God has you with your personality. God knows me and my personality, so I preach for my personality. I'm full of Jesus. But uh, in my life, I was a truck driver for a lot of years. So when I'm talking, a lot of times, truck driving examples come out of me and things like that because that's my personality. But whatever your personality is, wherever you're from, whatever you did, God knows who you are. And God wants you to finish your Christian life with joy.
He wants you to be able to laugh. He wants people that cross your path that see you, no matter how good it's gone or how horrible it's gone. He wants people to see you smiling. He wants people to see you with joy. And they might be people that's got a whole lot more money and natural success than you are, but they're totally depressed on the inside because they don't know Jesus. And they're trying to figure out, how come I've got all this money? How come I've got all these people I influence? How come, how come, how come, but I'm depressed? And they see you come along and you got joy and they think you got a million dollars. But you're believing God for two dollars, put in your gas tank. But you found out that your joy wasn't in money. It was in Jesus. And they see you and they don't know that your best friends just turned on you and started lying about you. And they think, man, everybody likes this person. And you're just laughing all the time, full of joy all the time. Well, that's what God wants us to be. People that learn to live for him and finish out our Christian life to where we got born again in faith and had joy. How many, how many here when you got born again had joy? How come the rest of you were so sad? <laughs> no, but we got born again, we had joy. And we ought to have joy every day because we know that Jesus is in our heart. And we can raise our hands and say, thank you, Lord, for eternal life. Thank you, Jesus, for the Lamb's book of life. Every day of our lives, we can do that. Amen. And so that's, that's what your course is. But then your ministry is different than your course. Your ministry is what God has specifically gifted you and anointed you to do to serve his people. Amen. To serve his people. There's some way that everybody in the body of Christ is called to minister or to serve. Paul said, I'm going to finish my course. And he said, I'm going to finish my ministry too. That means if God's called you to be a preacher... He's gifted you and anointed you, then you better keep on preaching because that's where your gift is at. If God's called you to sing and minister to people through song, and you better keep on singing, keep on ministering because you're gifted. And as you know, we have a sound man back there. And we have a, if I'm singing, we got a couple rules here. Number one, I'm to turn off my mic. At number two, if I don't turn on my mic, he's to turn it off. You know why? Because that's not my gift. (laughs) You know, there's an anointing and there's an annoying. Well, when it comes to singing, I have the annoying. But it may be for you, if you're not called to preach, but you're called to sing, then you may have an annoying if you got up here. But you'd have an anointing if you get up there or if you sing. And so whatever it is God's called you to do. You know, I think about Pam. We was praying for Pam a little bit ago. Pam's been over hospitality and decorating all kinds of stuff in this church for years and years and years and years. She's anointed, she's anointed in that. She's gifted. And, you know, I, I, th- I think about, I look at different faces, all the different things you do. But God wants you to finish what he gifted you to do. God wants you to keep on ushering, if that's your anointing. God wants you to keep on Working to clean up the church, if that's your anointing. God wants you to keep on working with babies, if that's your anointing. God wants you to keep on being a cheerful greeter at the door, if that's your anointing. Everything you do, everything you do that God has gifted you to do, 
God wants you to keep on doing it and finish doing it till the day you go to heaven. He said with joy. And you know, I think, I think about the church and all the different parts there are. You know how you can tell if you're walking in your anointing and in your gifting? If you have joy in doing it and you see yourself doing it. You see yourself sitting back there at that little computer table checking babies in and mamas and giving them little tags like that. If you go home and you're thinking about, man, how can I do that better next week? What can I do? That little line backed up a little bit today. What can we do to improve what we're doing to make these people happier if they come in the door? You know what? Then you got a gift for that. And you got an anointing for that. And you did not let the devil steal that from you. And so Paul said, Paul said, I'm not going to be moved by outward circumstances. I'm not going to be moved by obstinate people. He said, I'm going to finish what God called me to do because God's the one that called me. God's the one that anointed me. God's the one I'll answer to. God's the one that's backing me. And so people aren't going to move me. Amen. Go ahead and shout. And I, I want to quote our theme verse to you. It's on, it's on the calendars we give out every year. We'll have Christmas calendars again this year, pretty soon, next year's theme verse. And uh, it's on our bulletin, on lots of things we do. Our theme verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. I just want to tell you this, that God said, and we built on this, we built around this all year long, that God said, I've got a good future planned for you. He said, plans for good and not for evil, to give you prosperity, to give you peace, to give you hope for your future. God said, that's what he's got. And so that's why, that's why we're building around the things we do for this year, that Christians have got to know you're just not born into this world to occupy space. You're not just born into this world just because it just happened by chance. It happened on purpose. No matter no matter how you were conceived, no matter where you were born at, God's the one that knows who you were before you conceived. And matter of fact, Psalm 139 says God said he had his plans together when you were being formed in the womb, what he wanted for you. And so don't ever let the devil tell you maybe because you didn't have a great start in life because Maybe your dad and mom didn't even know who they were. Maybe don't anything very little about your 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 family tree because you don't know who your family was or anything like that. God said, I'm your family tree. God said, I've got a good plan for you. God said, my plans for you are for good, not for evil, to have a future and a hope. So that's what we're looking at today about this life that God has for us. But Paul also said that I want to finish my ministry, which I have received from the Lord Jesus. Finish my ministry, which I have received from the Lord Jesus. And so you're called by Jesus to stay saved and to serve others with joy. Stay saved, serve others with joy. And I want to give you a nugget. This has helped me over the years to think about this. I don't even know where I heard it at years ago. It's not how you start the race that matters the most. It's how you finish. Amen. I, I, I lived in Indianapolis for 54 years. Somebody said, I didn't probably think you were that old. Well, I'm not hardly that old. I guess I missed something. <laughs> for 54 years, I lived in Indianapolis. Why did I say that? We had a race out there you might have heard of called the Indianapolis 500. I wasn't a big race fan, but I know that if you live in Indianapolis, Indiana, you don't miss the 500 mile race in May because that's every, everything is built around the 500 mile race. But I know over the years they always had 33 race cars. 
And sometimes somebody that started in 33rd position way back there, they won the race. Sometimes people in the middle of the pack, they won the race. And so we as Christians have to know we cannot focus on the crashes we've had. We cannot focus on the time we run out of gas. We can't focus on the time somebody else got promoted either in church or in your family or out there on the job or where they were. You can't focus on somebody that got something better than you. you That should have been mine. Should have been mine. Well, every one of those races thought they should have been in the pole position on the front line, the best position to take off leading the race. But it's like the tortoise and the hare. Because you take off fast doesn't mean you win. you got to last. And so we as Christians have to know if we're still breathing, we can still win our race. Amen. If we're still breathing, if we're still breathing and we're able to make it to a church service like this, then the dream on the inside of your heart can still come to pass. Amen. God wants you to finish what you started. God wants you to finish what he put in your heart to do. And you know, good thing about God, he's so good, he's so merciful. We get to heaven, he's not going to throw it up in your face. At the judgment seat of Christ, he'll judge for things we did and didn't do. But at the same time, at the judgment seat of Christ... He's going to reward you for what you did do right, but praise God for getting everything he had planned for you because you did it right and finished. You know, I think I think about us as Christians that we get caught up too many times by living out of our soul and not out of our spirit. Our soul includes our mind, our will, and our emotions. And so we as Christians too many times are moved by how we feel, or how it's going, instead of realizing that our faith doesn't deny things, our faith changes things. we got to change things from what they are to what they're supposed to be in line with the Word of God. I want to look then at verse 17. We'll see the start of this. And you know, we might as well know as born-again Christians... That people are watching us every day, not just the preachers, but if you if you even give a hint on your job, you're a Christian, people are watching you. If you give a hint to your neighbors that you're a Christian, people are watching you. If your family knows, and you know, I don't think we're conscious of this enough. If your family knows and what the people that aren't born again, all they know is say something like this. Well, you know, Joe and Nadine got religion. No, they don't got religion. They belong to Jesus. But people aren't saved. They don't know how to talk our talks. They say they got religion. Well, you, you know, the Kofis, they wouldn't ever come something like that. They go to church. Well, they go to church because they're Christians. And so people, people that see us are watching us. They're watching to see what we talk about. They're watching to see who we talk about. Best one to talk about, I get in trouble, is Jesus. <laughs> He's the best one to talk about. And so they're watching everything we do. Whether we know it or not, somebody's watching us. And so that's part of our race. As we're running, our race is a marathon. 
There's people watching us along the way, and some of them want us to trip and lose. Some of them are cheering for it to win. But the main thing is we got to know we keep running. We keep running along the way. So verse 17, we're going to look at this passage, Acts 20, verse 17. It says, after Miletus, he sent to Ephesus, Paul did, and he called the elders or the leaders of the church. This is one of the first church leadership conferences in the New Testament. And so I want to go through some things here to build you up to help you finish your race. And as we look at these things, I want you to look at this through the eyes of yourself. Don't look like Paul's talking about himself and these preachers, but act like it's Jesus through the Word of God talking about you as a believer to where you are in life. And so we want to turn this into the first, first person and then apply these principles to ourselves, how to conduct ourselves in everyday life to finish our race. So verse 18, he says this, And when they, the leaders, were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia what manner I have been with you at all seasons. Or in other words, how I lived in my everyday life. And so for me, as I look at this, apply this to me, this is how I read the Bible. I look at it and see, what's this got to do with me? You know, the Bible is about history, but also the Bible's alive, but it's about you. It's about me. So I see myself starting my race as a young, born-again truck driver. I can see, my, see myself, when I started my Christian life, I wasn't wearing a suit and being in a church. When I started my Christian life, I came out of the taverns and other places, and I got born again. And I can still remember on my job at the truck dock I worked at, when I got born again, my drinking, running around, stupid buddies and I, where they found out I was a Christian, some of my best friends in the world cussed me out and told me, don't you ever talk that religion to me. And I was truly born again. And so I told the truth. I'll never talk religion to you. But I didn't say I wouldn't ever talk Jesus because he's not religion. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But my life, when I started off, I'm looking through the eyes of the word. That's what Paul said. said, you know what manner I've been with you at all seasons. So I saw myself start off, turn from a young sinner boy on January 29th, 1980, to have a new life inside of me. I got born again. Jesus lived in my heart now. And so I didn't want to cuss anymore. I didn't want to drink anymore. I didn't want to smoke anymore. I didn't want to do all the things I should do anymore. All I wanted to do as a born-again Christian, I wanted to go to church. And the church I was going to had services on Thursday, Thursday night, Friday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and every two or three weeks, this is back in the Pentecostal days, back in the Bible Belt, about at least one week a month, seven days, they had revival. At least once a month, they had a seven-day revival. Sometimes it went two or three weeks in the month with revival. And so all I saw myself doing was going to the job, clocking in, driving my truck, clocking out, going to church. All I saw myself doing was get up in the morning time, reading my Bible. I took my TV set. I parked at the corner of my house backwards. This back where they had these TVs. This was a great big old thing on wheels, great big old wooden box and screen. I took it over, unplugged it, I faced it in the corner of the wall, forgot it existed. Why did I do that? I had a life I used to live that gave me nothing but grief. It was depression. 
Oh, weren't you happy? I thought I was happy till the money ran out and the booze wore off. Then I found out what I said. And I found out who I hurt. When I found those things out, then I wasn't happy anymore. And so I thought, man, I found out about Jesus. He's real. And so I did everything I could do to learn about Jesus. And I knew I wouldn't learn about Jesus watching TV. I knew I wouldn't learn about Jesus hanging around drunks. I knew I wouldn't learn about Jesus hanging around unsaved truck drivers, good buddies, but unsaved people. And so I knew the best place I'd learn about Jesus was going to church, seeing Christians, and reading my Bible. So that's what manner of man I was for the first season of my Christian life. And it wasn't long after I got born again, I knew I was called to be a preacher. And so I did everything I could to learn about preaching. I preached my first, my first sermon in a little church in Gasburg, Indiana in the spring of 1981. And I'll never forget what Jesus told me before I preached. The day before I preached, I said, Jesus, and it's the loudest God's ever talked to me. It talked so loud to me that it shook me. God doesn't talk to your head. He talks to your heart. But God talks. It's not a thought. It's in here. I was on my knees praying because I knew a lot of Christians had been saved. And they did that for a, long, a lot longer than I. And they, didn't, they didn't have much victory in their life. And so I got on my knees. I didn't know a lot of what I know about now. I didn't know the difference between preaching and teaching. Got on my knees, I'll never forget it. I was at 4905 Orion Avenue, living in the upstairs apartment, Mrs. Craddock's house. A little old lady God sent me to had an apartment she rented out. I was on my knees up there beside my bed, getting ready to preach the first time the next morning. And I just, on my knees, and I said, Jesus, I know you let me go preach at this church, but I said, I feel so bad because people are preached at, but they're not taught how to live it. I said, Jesus, can I teach tomorrow? And man, just so loud, you wouldn't believe it. I felt like a 55-gallon drum. You know what a drum looks like? And I heard this, teach my people. Teach my people. Teach my people. I thought, wow. And from that day forward, I've been a Bible teacher. I've been a Bible teacher. So what I'm saying, knowing me in each phase of my life, as Paul said, you don't know me at all seasons, I started preaching. And then God had me for a season of my life. I was a pastor and a teacher in central Indiana. And then God sent me to California. Now I'm a pastor and I'm a teacher in California. But people have got to watch me. I live in a glass house. Do I like living in a glass house? No, I don't like living in a glass house. I don't like living there. Man, sometimes my flesh shows up. And when Goofy shows up, i got to repent. And I hope when Goofy shows up, I'm not out in public. Why are you saying that, Pastor? Because you've got to learn that pastors are not God Jr. Pastors are believers just like you. We get anointed when we're up here to preach, but we're not anointed to live it. We've got to live it by faith like you. We're the ones. We're the ones when we have the family gatherings. And things may not be going the way we want them to, that if we're tired, mouth may show up. We're the ones that got to say, shut up, stupid. Hey, man, am I helping you? I'll tell you how it is. We're the ones. I remember back in Indiana, we were on TV twice a week. And we lived, our church was about 35 miles south of Indianapolis. Indianapolis was the big major city in Indiana. I remember sitting up at a restaurant up in Indiana. Had... My wife helped me so many times. And I got embarrassed enough times, too, that she didn't have to help me anymore. I saw why. 
We're sitting up there. There's this couple sitting at a table over here. And man, they kept staring at me and staring at me. I come up to Indianapolis to get away from people. I wanted to be someplace where I could just enjoy myself. Kept staring at us. And man, I was starting to get upset. I was trying to eat, but you're conscious when somebody's looking at you, thinking, man, what are they looking at? And so she said, shut up. They might know you. I said, oh man, I just want to eat. The guy comes over and says, excuse me, aren't you Pastor Samples? I watch you on TV. And I, ooh, crawled out here somewhere. <laughs> hey, man, well, that happened a few times. And, and the whole thing was what I'm saying, that we're being watched. Paul said, you know what manner of man I am in all seasons. And I think about you. They but every one of you. I look out here at all the faces. I call out a lot of your names. But there's going to be some place you're sitting eating. And somebody's going to stare at you. They're going to say, well, wait a minute. Isn't that Philip and Rhonda? I saw them that church up there. They're talking about them, what God's done in their life. Isn't that Philip and Rhonda? I want to go shake their hand. And Philip might be having a bad day at the prison. Man, I don't know what those dudes do in prison to the war, how they, how they treat wards. I don't know. But they might come up there and say, hey, man, I just want to shake your hand. I was in there, and you really helped me down there, man. You don't know who I was, but that day you gave that talk, I was there. And then Philip all of a sudden, if he's having a stupid day, going, Oh, I feel so stupid. I wish I hadn't done that. But I know that wouldn't happen to Philip. Having a good day. But what I'm saying is this. We have to know that a lot more people know us than we think. And so we we need to make sure that we're always conscious of the fact that Jesus in us is greater than anything going around us. Amen? Amen. And so he said, you know what matter people I was. So then I want you to notice verse 19, he said this, he said, I'm serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying and weight of the Jews. That means the religious people that were against him. And so I hope people in Barstow see me serving the Lord with all humility of mind and passing every test that comes my way. I hope that's what you're seeing. I hope that's what people said. And so how about you? Do people see Jesus in your actions? Not just on Sunday morning when you get out of church and you go down to the chicken place. or no, We're not in Indiana. You go down to the rib. What do they got at tacos? You go down where you go back in Indiana. Everybody goes to the chicken place. <laughs> but anyway, you see yourself Sunday morning. You're all dressed up if you're Sunday best. And you go out there. And it's easy on Sunday when you go to the restaurant. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen like that. But what do you do when you're dirty from working? And you're all greased up, dirty clothes, and you have to stop and eat someplace like that. Are you still praise the Lord just like it's Sunday? Because people are still watching you out there. Are they seeing you serving God with all humility and with all of your heart? What are they seeing? We're talking about how to finish your race. We're talking about a leadership conference here that Paul was teaching. He told these guys what to do. And, you know, we're all called to be preachers. To preach means to proclaim. We're all called to proclaim the good news to people everywhere we go. Hallelujah. I'm no better shouting than you are shouting. Better preach than you are shouting. Amen. And so, verse 20, he says then, How I kept back nothing that was proper unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Anybody? Small groups, lift groups, little groups we have are all different kinds of uh, segments of, of our society here where we are. 
Well, guess what? We didn't make that up. It's in the Bible. He said, I taught you publicly, which is in the church, and also from house to house. Christians need fellowship. And pray, praise God, God's raised up people in our church that want to lead and speak at these small groups, be able to have fun together, hang out together, exhort one another. Hebrews 3.13 says, exhort one another daily. What's well, called today, lest you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. God wants us to exhort daily. And so, in these two verses right here, he says, testify both to the Jews, verse 21, and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, I've did my best to live these two verses for almost going on now 38 years of January. How about you? Think about this. We're looking at this in first person. Some questions to ask yourself. Do you keep your faith life fresh with Jesus? Do you keep your faith life fresh? And uh, I know we have lots of books at the bookstore. And, and uh, all those books back there, nearly all of them are the ones I've studied for all my Christian life. we got new ones out there, some different new things like that. But I cut my teeth on those faith books. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, uh, there's a book I've studied again at home now. I've had probably 35 years. It's Brother Hagin's book called Redeemed from the Curse. Redeemed from the curse. I don't have to be sick because Jesus took it for me. I don't have to be poor because Jesus took it for me. I don't have to be depressed because Jesus took it for me. I don't have to go to hell. Jesus paid the price so I can go to heaven. And so I like to keep my faith fresh. I read the books again with my Bible open. I read the books. And let me recommend something to you. Whenever you buy a Christian faith book, don't ever read it back to your own Bible with you. When they tell you the Bible says something, find out if it says it. Whatever you, whatever you hear me or any other preacher quoting verses, either look at it in your own Bible, or if you're in church and things are moving fast, write the verses down. When you get home, open your Bible and look at them like that to make sure you're being led on the right road. And so you've got to keep your faith fresh. That's what Paul said he did. said he kept his faith life fresh. And then through prayer, you stay fresh. Through church attendance, hopefully not just Sunday morning. Sunday morning is better than nothing. But through multiple services. We have a lot of services a week here. And if possible, come to more services. And I like what my pastor, Dr. Barclay, has said so many times. When you come to church... Do you get more faith or less faith? When you come to church, do you get depressed or do you get blessed and happy? Hey, ma'am, you come to, would you come to church? Would you come to church? Do people put doubt on you or do they talk, lift you up? Hey, man. And so why would you stay away from church? You think about it. And, you know, let me tell you this. You know, to me, this is a no brainer. But Jesus called a sheep because sheep are stupid. Have you ever seen the cartoon stuff, how sheep follow other sheep right across the fence to the bad places, right over the cliff, sheep go, there they go. If you're going through a hard time in life, who's going to lead you to stay away from church, God or the devil? Wow. Man, I was talking to the right crowd and I said stupid, wasn't I? <laughs> that's a no-brainer, it's not a setup. That's, that's being the spirit of stupid. If you are going through a hard time to say, well, I'm not going to church anymore, the devil just sit back and said, glory. You even say, glory to God. The devil said, ha, ha, ha. I got him. I got him. I got him. They're going through a hard time. 
They could go to church, get their faith built up. They could go to church and get prayed for. They could go to church and get a bunch of people praising God and that anointing come down and the oppression on them is going to lift off because the anointing comes in, the oppression goes, and then sheep says, I'm having a hard time. I think I'll go to the ball game, not to the church. I think I'll ask the umpire or the shortstop to pray for my family today. Uh, when the man comes along and says, this bud's for you, I'm going to say, give me a bud. Or when, when the other guy comes and says, it's Miller time, I'm going to say, give me Mr. Miller. That's dumb. Miller is going to do nothing for you except take your money and make you sad. And so Christians, 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 if you're being hit in life, if you want to finish your race with joy, more church, not less church, especially when you're under a hard time. Amen. And, you know, I said that because I'm up here and you're out there. If you had the anointing for that, you'd be up here and I'd be out there. But I was out there on that side for a long time before I was on this side. And I'm so glad I went to church enough to hear my pastor tell me that. And so because I heard it and I saw the victory of Christians' lives that went to church frequently, then I thought, man, I'm going to do what they did. And I got the victory too. Amen. You mean it's always been victory? No. But sometimes I've had to fake it till I make it. Amen. I've had to get in the morning time. You know, I learned this off a guy. Anybody heard of Jerry Savelle? I learned this off Jerry Savelle back about 1981. He said sometimes he had to get up in the mirror. He had to look at the man in the mirror. And he had to say, Jerry, smile. Say, Jerry, laugh. He'd say, Jerry, go read your Bible. He'd pick up his Bible, and then he'd say, Jerry, the Bible won't help you unless you look at it. Oh. And so there have been times over the year, years that I've taken that example. Sometimes I've looked in the mirror, and I've said, you're not stupid, you're a believer. I've said, you're not a loser, you belong to Jesus. I've said, you're not who you see in the mirror, the real you's on the inside. Who you see on the outside, just, just, that's just the place you live. You live in this body temporarily. One of these days, this body's going to lay down, and you're coming out. And so, you in the mirror, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Come on, Bernie, let's go to church. This helping anybody? Amen. I want to say it again. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen, amen, amen. Keep your faith fresh. Small group participation. And then you can receive and give out there. And do you regularly witness or share what God's done for you? What God's teaching you? You know, I really, I really get blessed. I hardly ever look at Facebook anymore. I just, I don't know. I didn't really make a big commitment. Jesus, I'm laying down Facebook. I just got so tired of stupid that I quit looking at it. But I do look at it sometimes, and it really blesses me when I see things that I preached or somebody else preached in the church after Sunday service. People out there, they'll put on there, I love my church. They'll put a quote or a one-liner that Pastor Dave or somebody else or myself put on there. Man, they're listening. They're getting it. But the good thing about it, I would love to start saying some of that goofy stuff. And it went viral. Jesus said to live right. <laughs> and it went viral. Jesus said you can do everything through him which strengthens you. And it went viral. The whole church started tithing and was able to do everything God called him to do. 
Oh, glory to God. Somebody say glory. Amen. Amen. And so anyway, look down at verse 22 and verse 23. Verse 22, verse 23. He said, Now behold, I go bound to the Spirit of Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, except the Holy Ghost witnessed in every city, saying that bonds, that's chains, that afflictions await me. People back in those days there where Paul was, they wanted to put him in prison because he wasn't religious. He was a Christian doing what Christians do. And so, so he said... But uh, everywhere he goes, there are going to be hard times. And so listen to this. This may be a newsflash to some Christians. But you might as well know, if you are fired up for Jesus and you share your faith, you're going to stir up demons and religious people. Somebody said, what's religious people? I thought we were, we were religious people. No, <clears throat> we're Jesus people. We're Christian people. It's called the family of God, not the religion of God. Amen. We belong to Jesus. And so here's what religious people are. You know, if this is new to you, you need to write this down. Religious people are people that know about God, but don't know him personally through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. They know about God, but they don't know him through Jesus. And so as Christians, on your job, you are going to stir up religious demons. In your family, you're going to stir up religious things. We might as well know that the Holy Spirit and religious spirits are contrary one to another. Religion really drives people away from God. The Spirit of God draws people to God. And so there's a battle out. That's what Paul was talking about. And so then verse 24, Paul told us that none of these things move me. Don't count my life dear myself, etc. But for the time, I'm going to close this, giving you three quick things in closing. And if you embrace these three principles... It's going to help you finish your your uh, life and your ministry of joy. Number one, none of these things move me. You can't allow outward circumstances, contrary people, to distract or discourage you from being the Christian witness that God had called you to be. You're a spiritual thermostat, not just a thermometer. A thermometer monitors the room temperature. A thermostat adjusts the temperature to where you want it to be. And so you use your faith to change the atmosphere on your job. I did many times at trucking companies. Use your faith to change the atmosphere at your family reunions, your family Christmas parties, etc. You use your faith to change what goes on around you. Faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. Number two, neither count I my life dear unto myself. If Jesus is your Lord and not just fire insurance... Then you will allow him to have the say-so in your life. Where you work, where you go to church, who you marry, where you live, how you spend your leisure time. If Jesus is your Lord, you count your life not dear to yourself. Then you follow the plan that God has for you, regardless of what people think. Regardless of the circumstances say you can't, God says you can. And so you follow after him. You must allow Jesus to be Lord of all. Or you won't be Lord at all in your life. I want to say that again. You must allow Jesus to be Lord of all. Or you won't be Lord at all in your life. Then number three, he said, that So I might finish my course with joy at the ministries I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Don't allow circumstances or opposite people to control your life. Use your faith in God 
at his word and the power of the Holy Spirit to move mountains and finish your life at ministry with joy. Jesus wants you to finish. And so do what he says to do and you're going to finish with joy. Amen. Anybody get blessed by that? Praise God. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.